this week on the Open Nesters Podcast with Barbara Corrales. But a lot of people need to give up this penis and vagina sex as the, as the only way to have sex. And if it's not working, we don't have a sex life. Give it up. That is one way to have sex out of thousands. Just give it up. In fact, stop doing it. If it's not fun, stop doing it. Because you've probably done that for 30 years. You're bored. Who wouldn't be? Welcome to the Open Esther's Podcast. How will you write Act 3 of your life? Will you be open? Will you welcome the possibilities? Are you going toward your most vibrant, authentic stage of life? Are you curious to discover what's ahead? Are you in a fork in the road and wondering which path to follow? Would you like to hear from others who are already writing Act 3? Hey everyone, I'm Tessa. And I'm Amir. Why be an empty nester when you can be an open nester, living on the edge of your curiosity, on the fringe of your imagination, reinvention, and sexuality? Together, we'll take a journey and explore how rich this stage of life can be when we approach it with an open mind and an open heart. We first met Barbara Corrales in a workshop of Tantra about three years ago. Tessa have interviewed Barbara Corrales. And Barbara is a sex life coach, sex educator, workshop facilitator, university lecturer, motivational speaker, and theater artist based in New York. I remember that workshop that I attended in the Open Center very well. And I'm so pleased that today you're going to be hearing from the expert, Barbara Corrales. I understand also that she has been facilitating program all over the world for almost 30 years. Yes, and Barbara has so much to say about our erotic awakenings, especially for us in Act 3. She's the author of a few incredible books, Urban Tantra, Sacred Sex for the 21st Century, Ecstasy is Necessary, A Practical Guide to Sex, Relationships, and Oh So Much More, and Luxurious Loving, Tantric Inspirations for Passion and Pleasure. So let's hear it from Barbara Corrales. Welcome, Barbara Corrales, to the Open Nesters podcast. So excited to see you and to talk to you today. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. This is real. This is COVID for that reason has been a treat. I've been able to reach more superstars than I could ever have reached. And, and, and Amir and I came to, to Barbara's Urban Tantra uh, New York City seminar, uh, seminar at the Open Center years back. And I actually studied her when I was doing my master's and doing my about sexuality. And, and she's just like this understands sexuality and tantric and sexual energy like no one else. So the idea that I was talking about all these cool topics from ecstasy that we'll be talking about that she's our big, you know, specialist in. So you're in for a treat, everyone. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, kind of introduce us for you and what brought you to where you are today, Barbara? I started off in the theater. I am 
a born and bred, knew it when I was four years old theater kid. I'm one of those annoying children who only cared really about theater, theater and horses. Uh, <laughs> and I was in the Broadway theater for many, many years, decades really. And as a, as a man, uh, general manager and executive producer. And then uh, really at the peak of my success, the, the, uh, one of the real highlights, which was I was one of the general managers of the original Broadway show Nine, which won a Tony for Best Musical in back in 82. Right about then, people started, specifically gay men, started getting sick. And then they started dying. And of course, it was the beginning of the AIDS plague. And being in the theater, I would, uh, as well as being queer myself, being in the theater, I had uh, a lot of colleagues and friends who were gay. And a lot of them started getting sick. And through the 80s, sicker, and I lost more and more of them. On a bad week, I might have lost like four friends in a week. It was really bad. Brutal. And... By about 1988, I was really hitting the wall of grief and the deaths were actually increasing, not decreasing, because there were not medications till the early 90s. And I um, started exploring Tantra and conscious sexuality when I joined the New York Healing Circle and met Joseph Kramer and Annie Sprinkle, two pioneers in, in conscious sexuality. And our question was, what are we going to do about sex? This isn't going away. Right now, everybody thinks it's a gay disease, but everybody's going to find out very soon that it knows no sexual orientations. It will affect everybody. And people are not going to do without sex for the rest of their lives or for the length of this plague, which has already been going on for many years and obviously looks like it will be going on for many more. So Joseph started studying Taoist sexuality. He had all, he was a massage therapist and a rebirther, which is a breathwork practitioner of a certain flavor. Mm -hmm. Annie was an ex porn star and a um, feminist pornographer looking toward performance art because in her heart and soul, she has always been an artist. It's what she is now. And she and I started studying Tantra because we were looking toward the East for their focus on the energy of sexuality as opposed to the Western focus on what bodies do when they rub together. And performance. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So... In the study, when we combined the breath work and the body work that Joe had been working on with everything we learned about sexual energy from the East, we started coming up with ways to practice intimacy, energetic sex, and even physical sex, but not penetrative, physical sex that was safe, that would not pass a deadly virus. And that was really the start of urban tantra it was back during the aids crisis and it moved out of just the gay male community into wait a minute would this work for a group of women who are 
in recovery from abuse issues? I don't know, let's try. Or would this work for uh, some people who are healing from something else? I don't know, let's try. And I just kept showing up and the work seemed to be having a positive effect on a whole lot of different people. So I just kept letting it grow. And I have to say, being invited to go teach in Australia changed everything. Australians just had a, a different view on sexuality from Americans, perhaps because it's less of a theocracy. Uh, America is so tied with religion, morality, and government. And the laws are hinged on that really here. And in Australia, they were more like, I don't know, let's give it a go. If it works, I'd like more. If it doesn't, you can go home. Well, happily it worked. And being able to do workshops in Australia with really gutsy, painfully honest people who would give me real feedback, um, brought the work down to earth, made it accessible for just about everybody and showed me its value in the lives of so many different kinds of people. So that's how- And it's, and it's like a sold out workshop in New York or wherever she goes, just by the way. So why don't you take us through some of the ABCs so that's not, what, what, what is accessible? Why is it different if you start defining Tantra and this energy versus what we know sometimes in America, like what people have no idea what Tantra is. So start from that, if you will. Tantra is, well, what Tantra is depends on who you ask. Right. It's an ancient philosophy going back to about 600 AD in India. From there, it spread to Tibet and to large swaths of Asia. But there have been Tantra-like practices in all corners of the world going back much further. But a cornerstone of Tantra is that anything that the body and everything that happens on earth can be a conduit, a path to the divine. You can learn spiritual lessons simply by being in a body on earth. And you can use it not by, you can learn those lessons not by, not by ignoring or rejecting the body which a lot of other religions were fond of, but by actually using the body as a conduit. Now, Tantra is not a religion, it's a philosophy. Uh, and it's not all about sex, only a small portion of it is about sex. There are all sorts of practices, some written, many yoga practices that all move energy throughout the body. In Tantra, there's not much of a distinction between sexual energy and life force energy. It's all Kundalini. It's all life force energy. And sexual sexuality is just one area that it can express through. So that's the overall. So in, in some in practical circle, terms, yes, in practical yeah. terms, go ahead. Set. In practical terms, it, um, it's about, oh, this, is, this will sound woo, but it's about aligning energy with a partner or more than one partner or with yourself. Practically, one of the things that we focus on most, 
is the breath. Energy moves on the breath. We also focus on imagination, by which I mean energy follows thought. If I want to breathe energy from uh, my lower belly to my heart, I can add a visualization. An intention, just like we learn in mindfulness and meditation. Exactly. Yes. And I also learn to move energy between bodies with breath, with intention, with imagination. And when you do, it doesn't feel like it's real. It actually becomes real. And you can get this, you can get a high, an erotic, sexual, spiritual high, even without genital touch. Not that I'm suggesting you shouldn't have genital touch. I'm saying that if you separate the things, you realize that you can get high on your own life force energy without anyone else in the room and even without touching yourself. I've had that experience, so I, I love it, and I Thank and I tell people all the time, that. because I know, and I've watched you do this MRI, which they were amazed at, that, that you could just think and, and breathe that energy into your body and have the same level on metrics of them, however they measured you on that thing that they did online. I mean, they're, they're, I know. I know that my body feels more vital and alive by using some of the squeeze, um, what it, the, the the methodology, the PC, the PC squeezes the PC and the muscle and the muscle squeezes and the breathgasm of of really circulating my energy, as well as even just imagining the lover that I want to see. I can have an orgasm thinking about it or breathing him. Exactly, Thank just you. breathing him. So exactly. I, it's a very unusual thing that people say, what is that? I mean, I, not too many people have achieved it. So I want to so explore that with you so that people know that that's possible. And the idea that even in some circles, like Naomi Wolf in her book, Vagina, she just talks about it from a research point of view, kind of like how this yin-yang and the women are the, are the yin and they have to receive energy. And I do wonder, you know, what we can learn from that feminine energy, especially when we look at this this space in the world and I don't want to get too theoretical I still want to be practical like you you work also with the queer community and non-binary people and so what is explain what feminine energy is and why that helps us in this tantric practice if you will well the tantric philosophy is essentially reduces to the meeting of consciousness and energy, Shakti and Shiva, yin and yang energy, essentially boils down to not male and female, but um, active and receptive, uh, consciousness, pure consciousness and pure energy, Shiva being consciousness, Shakti being energy. And where we get caught up is thinking that feminine means woman. That's, that's uh -huh. where Tantra has run aground on the heterosexual rocks. When in reality, receptive to the movement of energy, receptive to moving energy, Tantra as essentially a yin art, which is to say allowing as opposed to doing, that's true, but it doesn't mean feminine. I don't use the words feminine and masculine because they're an affront to a lot of people who practice urban tantra. As you said, I have a lot of non-binary and trans and multi-gendered people in the community. And we specifically, I founded urban tantra so that people who weren't white, middle-class, middle-aged, new age workshop junkies from the cisgendered, <laughs> cisgendered, thank you, heterosexual, Everybody else felt left out of Tantra. 
I wanted a Tantra that practice for the modern world that everyone would feel comfortable in, that no matter what their race, size, background, bank account, sexual orientation, sexual preference, that everybody could come to the table. So that's really why Urban Tantra exists, not to keep the cisgendered heterosexual people out, but rather just to welcome in everybody else. Absolutely. We felt welcomed. And, and, yeah. Yeah. And just center the experience of some other folks sometimes. No, it's important for us all to create openings of how we understand things that we don't understand. That's where all of our learning comes from. And I think that's where um, what we're trying to do in this podcast is to kind of shatter some of the paradigms of why we're not open because we're not considering of other. And I really, and other ways and other people and other ways of being. So I'm really happy to, to talk to you particularly about that. And and sexual energy, you know, you've all, always talked about is also this creative energy. So I wanted to ask you if you could speak to that as well. It's the way we do anything is the way we do everything. That's a quote from Sherry Huber. I didn't write that. But it's true. If we become more creative in our sexual lives, that creativity is unleashed to be used in every other area of our life. Or, now here's a good one. Often people, more often women than men, but still people, over the age of, say, 55 or something, will we'll say, you know, the desire just isn't there for sex. I'll say, okay, but where are you excited? Well, maybe I'm not very excited, but where might you be excited? And somebody might say, well, you know, I've always wanted to learn African drumming. And when they start learning African drumming, uh, which is such incredibly good fun, I can attest, um, then some other delightful creative pursuit appears. And the drumming gets more exciting as the other, the painting hobby gets more creative as they meet more interesting people. And they start building up what I call an ecstatic life. Lots of little different pockets of life that are really quite ecstatic. And honestly, is better than the sex they were having. To which I say, go for that. Go for the ecstatic. I wrote my book, Ecstasy is Necessary, which followed Urban Tantra, because I was so damn tired of people with alternative desires or lower supposedly desires being pathologized in medical communities. If you are enjoying this episode, please check out episode six, entitled Play, which also discusses sexuality with Enchantress Shane Coleman, as well as episode 13, Does Your Age Really Matter? Where the topic of our agefulness is discussed at length with Ashton Applewhite. People not understanding that desire when you're older does not like spring down from heaven and touch you on the shoulder and suddenly you're on fire with passion. Desire is something that builds when you actually start engaging in sex. And desire builds when you start engaging in pretty much anything. It comes along with the process, not, um, not delivered on raging hormones. 
shall we say. Right. We've, 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 out, we've hopefully, and especially women after menopause, we've outgrown that. So the desire has a diff, very different feel. And and I do wonder, so if, does that, have you seen women and men or not all human kind of take on a desire and then see that it can translate into their sexual arousal? Like, of course so, so it give can. me some stories. But give me some a stories. lot of people need to give up this penis and vagina sex as the, as the only way to have sex. And if it's not working, we don't have a sex life. Give it up. That is one way to have sex out of thousands. Yes. Just give it up. In fact, stop doing it. If it's not fun, stop doing it. Because you've probably done that for 30 years. You're bored. Who wouldn't be? <laughs> exactly. Do something else. <laughs> if it's not working for you, and if it is working for you, you go for it. Get some extra lube and just have at it. But for everybody who doesn't think it's such a cool thing anymore, learn how to have a breath and energy gas. Absolutely. Learn how to do that by yourself. Then maybe do it with a partner. Um, learn erotic massage. Learn... Um, explore some buy a new vibrator uh explore something else read erotica to get inspired to do different things you know i was i had an interview with a sex toy woman that was talking about i had no idea that there was such thing because i know that i find my vulva like in circular motions to be really erotic for me i mean that's using my labia is really erotic for me so i am like I said something to her and she said, no, we have, we actually have a toy that does circles. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like there is so much, cool. isn't that? <laughs> I mean, that you just cool. said toys and I thought I haven't gotten it yet. I think it was expensive at the moment. So I said, I'll wait. But you know what? It's like, it's just, there's so much out there that people are close to thinking, what do I do now? And just try something, right? Just try something. <laughs> I, had a, I have a, 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 a friend, an older gentleman great guy and he's we knew each other way back in the in the theater days and he gets my newsletters and he's like he had a vibrator in the house because he had it there for his wedding partner because he's a really lovely guy and, and you know he said but wait a minute would this work on me and sure enough, it did. So it, it the thing. Where did he was, use it? Where did men use it? Like, give us some, give us some down to or dirt. Oh, it dirty. could be a perineum. It could a perineum is good because that stimulates the prostate. I didn't actually ask him where he mm -hmm. was using it, but I just know from experience that you can put it at that point um, between scrotum and anus and just find the right vibration. By the way, I really recommend electric vibrators. Be, or rechargeables because um, the vibration is generally more even. What are what, what other kind of vibrators? I mean, I don't use too many. Battery, the battery, the battery. Oh, okay, ones. the electric instead of battery. Are, the the, the yeah, I, I, that's just my preference, and they have a, a wider range of um, of vibration generally. We have a great hot tub, so um, that's my. I call that my very large vibrator, my hot tub. It is. <laughs> so it's one of the larger <laughs> ones on the market, in fact. <laughs> and um, you can also use it like um, at the frenulum on the other underside of the penis. Just take it very specifically. Pretend it's like reflexology. And just put it in very specific points around penis or vulva. And where does it feel best? And you can do this with a partner if 
both of you think that's fun or you can do it by yourself. There's just, and if you think you're absolutely not interested in sex anymore, but think, but maybe I'd like to be, or I'm just curious about that, try something new. Just try it, try it by yourself. But if you really aren't interested in sex, go get excited about something else. Get excited about something. Get passionate about something. In most cases, interest in sex will return. But that's not the point. And the it point is, is it is about using it. You do lose it if you don't use it for a while. I mean, and so and so true. and so you know, the truth absolutely. is many women because they've gone through a tough menopause or they have different issues, anyone or men who have lost some desire and so they their 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 head got in their way that they can't do this anymore. Right. So just opening up that the touch again and the sensuality again and as we age okay, go ahead, tell I know you have something because you just No, I just you just made me think of yeah. something. A friend of mine is writing, an older friend of mine is writing a, a little book called 101 Things to Do with a Limp Dick. Nice thing, yeah. Isn't it good, yeah. huh? Because it is getting a penis hard becomes this quest. Like we can't have sex unless he can get an erection. And that's so not true. If in my book, Urban Tantra, there's a section called Erotic Awakening Massage. You can do an entire erotic awakening massage on a person with a penis with a limp dick. Right. And they can have an orgasm and you can, if your their partner can have a whole lot of fun pleasuring them. And that penis doesn't have to perform. It just has to feel. And this is a revelation for a yeah, whole lot of people. It is. So that's why I wanted to have you discuss this. I, I love the openness about this. And how about aging in general? I mean, you work with people from such a wide range as we've aged too, and we become older and we embrace that. And what, how do you see the whole, what I'm now calling agefulness because of Ashton Applewhite, this age, this trend in becoming older and, age, and, and entering our agefulness? How can it be exciting? Like, what would you, for your, for you, for the people around you? I want to just, you know, hear your own feelings about it from you. Well, we're you're talking to baby boomers. We didn't ever do, you know, we didn't. We were kind of odd as kids. We were sort of like, what do you mean? You, we're supposed to do it that way? Fuck you! We're gonna do it this way. So it's not surprising that these willful largely privileged generation um, is like, fuck this aging shit. I'm doing it my way. <laughs> um, even if that's quiet, some people are doing it very loudly and some people are doing it a bit more quietly, but it's, it's a spirit that's certainly embedded in the generation. If you don't like the word, I, I, you can pick your language too. If the word aging brings you down, call yourself an elder. Or an older. Uh, fine. Or an older. Or an older. Fine. Find a new word, right. find something that inspires you. Like I kind of enjoy being considered a community elder because then I get to think about oh, what does that mean? What has changed for me from then to now? And I think, well, gee, everything I believe now, I pretty well believed at age 16. 
everything I was interested in now is pretty much what I was interested in at 16. So in a sense, life feels very congruent, even though how it's manifested has been had completely surprising twists and turns. When I go back to that 16 year old, I'm going, mm, people wouldn't listen to you, but I listen. I listen to 16 year olds because I know that most of what I know then I still feel now. And I go, what's different about aging? What, what's different about, as I've gotten older, what have I gained? And there's a couple of things. One is I'm a lot more willing to say, I don't know, teach me something new and exciting. I don't know. Well, we want to keep learning something new and exciting if that, if that's where we are, right? (laughs) And the other one is, it's so easy to say, I'm sorry. You know, rather than to fight it out and be right. Just, you know, I'm sorry that hurt you. I'm sorry I did that. And listen, that is so much easier now than it was when I was younger. And it feels so much yeah. better. Those are, those are. There was a third? Was there a third? Did you say that there was a third in your brain? You just, just you lost it for see. a sec? We'll come back probably that, that's part of aging uh-huh. this idea that we don't maybe remember some of the specifics as we get a little older but if we can release that and then say but i have a better feeling of the whole like Absolutely. i've been growing into this whole thing and and if we can abandon all the stuff we're stuck at with what we can't do in some of the ways whether our bodies are not going to look the same or we have some aches as we grow older just because that's part of aging and being older where is it that we're feeling more vital and alive so you know looking for that i remembered the third one i remembered the third one the other thank you for vamping while i remembered the third one (laughs) i'm enjoying shutting up and listening I realize with all the stuff that's been going on with the American government, I'm so tired of hearing old white men prattle on like they know what they're doing. Okay. And part of it is that, and somebody said this recently in the media, we get to an age where we just subconsciously know we're not going to be here forever. And whether we've acknowledged that in some big way or not, we just know that. And so how far ahead we think and with what passion declines, just naturally we get focused on something else. So for older folks to play, we know it all and we know best is a crock of shit because we don't have the same vision forward because we don't need it. Yet what we do have, if we and we could be obnoxious about it or useful with it, is, uh, you know, something sort of like this happened before. And although this isn't the same, I did learn a couple of things when this happened before that might be of use now. That's great. Well, that's wisdom. That's like the simplicity of wisdom and and where our age can help us. And so... Wisdom, but not... Not preachy, yes, not preachy wisdom. Just deep, just knowing, just knowing wisdom because we're unknowing. It's like, how much have we learned to unknow in order to know in a new way? And, and so even thinking about what were your surprises along the way? Are there any other things that you can share or any stories that you wanted to? Surprises. Oh, you'll love this. So I'm in the theater and I took a break in the 90s to go off to Australia for a long 
quite long periods of time to teach these series of erotic awakening workshops with my a pod of delightful close friends and my late teaching partner Chester Maynard and it was June and Chester and I were getting ready to go back to the States because June is the beginning of winter in Australia and I was trying to live the endless summer get out of Australia in early June and come back um, you know endless summer for spring yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was June now early June also happens to be Tony Awards time in the Broadway theater. And Chester and Haley and Kath and I have just done the most life-changing, amazing three-day erotic awakening workshop in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales, which are gorgeous. And we are driving back from an utterly bliss-filled, revelatory, moving weekend. And I sit in the car and I think Tony Awards, Blue Mountains. And <laughs> I look at Chester and said, you know, if you had told me when I was 16 that I'd be teaching spiritual nookie in Australia spiritual on Tony nookie. Awards evening, <laughs> I would have told you you were fucking crazy. And that kind of summed up that. <laughs> that was definitely one of the surprises. And the other thing I think I've learned is that it's all surprising. It's supposed to be. You know, life is supposed to be full of aha and oh, oh moments. And the third thing, since I'm in threes tonight, um, is it's all, I've learned it's all art. Everything is art. It's all art life. That's Linda Montano. You can Google her, Linda Montano, famous performance artist. It's all art. And if you live your life like it's all art, then, then it's all a creative game. It's a creative game. It's, you don't take, I don't take it quite so seriously. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it's that. an art piece. And I think that art piece came out a little better than that art piece, but it's all art. It's all ephemeral. Beautiful. What a, what a beautiful thing to leave us with as we wrap up. Is there, are there any other things that you want to make sure you want to convey? I mean, we'll talk about also how to reach you and all those things, but any other messages that you think are essential for our time? If you're doing things the way you've always done them, then tomorrow get up and do something different. Eat something different for breakfast. Walk around the block in a different direction. Call somebody you haven't called in 10 years. Do something different. We aren't meant to be automatons. We're just not. No. It's all bigger than that. And our purpose is bigger than that. That's, I think, that's, that's something that feels really important to me. The, another one is goals versus intentions. Goals are overrated. You can only accomplish a goal a certain way. You either got there or you didn't get there. You succeeded or you failed. Intentions can be fulfilled dozens, hundreds of ways. You just kind of point yourself at your intention and let the universe help you fulfill it in the way that's most useful to you and the planet. And I think that's, 
so much gentler on ourselves and it's so much more fun so much more fun fun. and it helps us create art it helps us create our lives as art so that just ties back to that concept it is beautiful and it it lightens my heart it's like i feel a lightness and i hope people listening can say wow i don't have to take everything so seriously man (laughs) yeah yeah, it's a habit to break. It's a habit to break. Thank you so much. This yeah. has been such a joy. So tell us how we can reach you and any upcoming things you have coming up that you can talk about that you're excited about as we as COVID. We hope, you know, not is not behind us. It's actually tried to teach us something. So I always believe that. And as we as you are able to reach more people, whether you're doing online things, just tell us about that. We met at the New York Open Center. I'm doing a collaboration with the New York Open Center for spring. It's uh, Urban Tantra, the series. It's got ecstatic breath work. It's got tantric connections. It's got how to take an erotic risk. That's going to be important as we How to take up. an erotic risk. Ooh, I like it. And, and sex magic. And it's a four-part workshop. It runs about every month every three every three weeks through the spring barbara com. that's two r's and corellis two r's two l's dot com wonderful so and the other the other, we have other information we'll have in our podcast notes about how you can reach barbara i also have how to have a breath and energy orgasm that meditation can be done at home and of course, books to read, Urban Tantra, Ecstasy is Necessary. It's all in the show notes. It's going to be there. And, and, I, and I so highly recommend, I, I, show, I showed Barbara that my, my book is so marked up. And, and I've been just passing it around to friends for years. It's one of those things that's really gotten such beautiful value and expansion. And because you've helped a lot of the world expand. And I really, really, this energy thing is, is much more beyond as people tap into it than we can imagine. And so that's the surprise I hope that awaits them. So with that, thank you, Barbara, for this time together. Have a wonderful afternoon, and I hope to see you in New York when things are in person. Wow. That was a truly enlightening and inspirational interview. Well done, Tessa. Real good. Thank you. You're you're welcome. I remember the day that you dragged me to uh, the workshop in the, the Open Center in New York. I was truly kicking and screaming. Well, I don't know. You, I, you know, you were pretty open to it, and then by the end, you were so relaxed from the Vangelis uh, piece that she played. Yeah, that that's true. The Vangelis <laughs> piece that really took it, but the whole the whole session was truly transformative to me. And the Barbara Tolo view on sexuality is refreshing, and sexuality is really not just the intercourse; it's way beyond that. And I wish we can just teach this stuff to some high schoolers. You know, I studied her as through my through my work in researching her for my thesis on sexuality and desire and play and I never heard her say this the spiritual nookie. And I love <laughs> yeah. that expression. Spiritual nookie. And I was is just thinking how much she lightens the topic and it's so important to lighten it. So it's also that idea of of not taking I love she said our goals so seriously and and putting sexual intention yeah. and energy out there for the universe to help us take our desires to the next step and and then I love the things she talked about with art that life you know, we should live life like it's an art because then it's more Absolutely. of a game and stop taking ourselves so seriously. Absolutely. I recommend anybody to just look at the schedule of the Open Center in New York and see where Barbara Corellis has a session. 
It well, really goes well, to in New York. If you want to do well, it online, just go to her great exactly, website. So exactly. that's what I suggest. Speaking of websites, uh, check out our website, theopennesters.com. That's theopennesters, double N in the middle, S at the end, dot com. Please leave us a comment. Let us know if you want to be a guest on our show or you know of somebody. And we are now looking for people that are dreaming of becoming open nesters and what the possibilities may bring to them. Right, Tessa? Even if they have much younger children or children exactly. that are almost open nesters, just the idea of starting to think about how your lives can shape up so that you can go toward that and be a role model for your kids. And we came up with this idea really uh, by organically reading some comments of you, our loyal listeners, online. So. Absolutely, and we would love some of your comments and discussion in our Facebook group, the closed private one that you can find under The Open Nesters on Facebook. Join us there as well. Theopennesters.com. Thank you very much for joining us this week. This is Amir. And I'm Tessa. And we'll see you on the radio. Ciao.